Hey, what's up, y'all? My name is Rochelle Grow, and I'm the host of Allergic to Small Talk. I'm an expat living in the UK. I own two businesses, have my executive MBA from Pepperdine University, and I come riding dirty, having fallen from the polished corporate world. Allergic to Small Talk is a show about how to grow your small business through networking, plus the tools and resources needed to develop your foundation as a business owner. If you're allergic to small talk, get ready for big conversations that are delivered to you in bite-sized chunks that you can implement right away to transform the way you view, operate, and grow your business. This is Allergic to Small Talk by Cut Class. Hey there, and welcome back to Allergic to Small Talk. You can catch me here every week, dropping the latest tips and tools to start and grow your small business. On today's episode, I want to focus on what it looks like to be at the top of your game. And to help me pick apart this topic is Jazz Takar. Jazz has been in the sales and service industry for over 27 years. He has founded Rec Canada under Royal LePage, which is a real estate firm, and for over five years has successfully kept his team in the top three in the country. With 54 realtors and 11 support staff, the team advises and assists over 625 buyers, sellers, and investors yearly across the greater Toronto area. This results in a total of $2.1 billion. Yes, that's with a B, $2.1 billion in transactions. This year alone, Jazz's sales team has done over $300 million in sales. Jazz's area of expertise is in helping investors build out their real estate portfolios. In addition, he's written a book called Real Estate Intelligence, which teaches anyone how to buy or sell real estate on their own. Jazz also has a love for content creation and hosts one of the top business podcasts in North America called the Jazz Dakar Podcast. Plus, he has a content creation agency called From the Ground Up. Jazz, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Rochelle. I wish I could just keep you in my pocket. You're so good for my ego. Like the way that you read through that bio, sometimes I forget what myself and my team, and it really is my team. I think I'm never going to get used to hearing my name the way that you spoke about it, because the truth of the matter is there's so many people that I've been able to stand on the shoulders of helping me with both companies and all the ups and downs. But thanks for that cool intro. And for your listeners, they obviously can't see you, but off (laughs) air for like 2.3 seconds, I was telling you, like, I got a massive smile. I think that's probably like what I hear the most is jazz. You bring the energy like, oh my God, like, thanks for the, for that punch in the face in the morning or whatever. It's that smile. But I'm telling your listeners, like Rochelle trumps me. She trumps me. I came on the screen today and I'm like, whoa, that's so cool. So kudos to you because I'm sure your listeners already know the energy you come with. But definitely it's the virus that I like to spread, which is positivity. So thanks for doing your part. No problem. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the compliment. As many of you know, Our team at Cut Class is passionate about helping people transition from their nine to five to building a business that they love. Why? Well, I'm glad you asked. I remember climbing the corporate ladder, getting my executive MBA and making great money and driving a fancy car. But at the end of the day, I was frustrated and miserable 
because I was doing everything that I thought I was supposed to be doing to hit success. It wasn't until I completely unplugged from what the world always told me would make me happy that I was able to find my genius zone and turn it into a business. I now have the freedom around time and finances that I've always wanted. So if you're in a similar situation where you're in a nine to five that's frustrating and unfulfilling and you're thinking about starting a business so you can control your time and finances, then let's hop on a call and let's talk about creating your new future. A link to book a call will be in the show notes. So I gave you an intro, but I always love when my guests tell us in their own words, like when somebody says like, hey, Jess, tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, what do you say? Look, I mean, for me, I was born in the northern part of Toronto in an area called Rexdale. And for people that don't know that area, it's one of those that there's not a lot of people to look up to. When you go to the corner, you kind of know what's going on in the corners. You kind of, you know, you're told to lock your doors and put your windows up when you go through Rexdale, right? But for me, I was very sheltered. I was sheltered from it because my father, my mother, and really my two older brothers, because my father being a taxi driver, mother being a factory worker, they were always at work, right? Like lots of love poured my cup. It like poured into me that cup of a lot of love and support, but because they were working a lot, it was really up to my two older brothers to teach me and discipline me. And so I got sheltered from it, luckily, because I had a lot of friends that didn't necessarily have that in their homes. And and, and so unfortunately, some of them got into more trouble than I did. I mean, not to say I didn't get into a little bit of trouble here and there, but definitely not something that was like life changing, right? And me being 40 now, Rochelle, I mean, I tell people that anybody who's that 16 to like 22, 23 year, year age gap, like in that age group is like, look, if there's anything that you can do right now is make sure to stay out of massive trouble from that 16 to 23, because like it could put you away in jail for a very long time. It could be a lot worse than that. And so I stayed away from that. But the one thing that my father did very well, my mother as well, but my father expressed it, I think a little bit more like with actual kisses and hugs. He always told me like, whatever you do, like we'll always love you. You do something really bad, you come home and we'll figure it out. What that does to a 10, 12, 13 year old kid is like, oh, cool. Like I got that safety blanket. I can go try stuff and fail. And so I did that. I failed at everything. I I sucked at school, barely passed high school. And I think the big reason that I probably passed is some of the teachers wanted me out of their class anyways. But I also had that, that you know, lack of a better word, that gift of gab, right? Like to try to kind of influence the teachers to maybe stay back with me sometimes after school or just maybe give me a 51% in the class to pass me, right? And so I also was able to hone in on a God-given talent, which was my ability to attract people into my world. Like I have thick skin, even as a kid, like I was knocking on doors as a 12 year old, getting people to subscribe to a newspaper route, right? And when people said no, it was like, it never affected me at all. Like I never went home and thought about it. I was just, hey, I'll get to the next door, right? And then from 14 to 15, I was the kid during summer holidays, picking up the phone from the yellow pages and just calling people and saying, would you want to hire me for whatever job? And I got 68 no's, but again, 
had no effect on me. I knew the 72nd call would probably land me a job. And it did, right? But what I always knew I wanted to do is be in some type of sales and service because I liked meeting people. I was just curious, right? I still am, but as a kid, even that much more like, hey, Rochelle, what do you do? Like, why do you do it? Oh my God, like, I see that you have a nice car. What did you do to get that? How do you pay it? Like, do you lease it? Do you finance it? Oh my God, you have seven houses. How did you get seven houses? Like always asking questions because I was so curious. And I think that served me very well, right? And I've always stayed in my roles in the sales and service industry for minimum two and a half, three years. And I think that's important, right? Like there's nothing wrong with tasting a bunch of different things. But for me, I really focused in on sales and service, staying in a place for two and a half three years lets you learn a lot. It lets you fail and then bounce back. And some don't bounce back, but if you do bounce back, then maybe there's something there, right? And so that's how I kind of got started in my gig. And now they say the rest is history because I've been lucky enough to be doing real estate for the last 17 years at a very high level. Really, as I started off, it really is my team because I got a core group of people around me that are just amazing. They're amazing at what they do. They're bought into the dream. And the dream is really, let's see how far we can take this. Like, hey, guys, let's fail. But let's see how far we can take the skill set that we have, as well as this love for each other from the perspective of, hey, I'm going to let you fail. You're going to let me fail. And let's see, again, how far we can take this. Awesome. A, I think it's really great that you detailed kind of where you grew up. You didn't become a product of your environment. You kept on the straight and narrow as much as you could. Of course, everybody gets into a bit of trouble, which is totally normal. I grew up with a cop in my family and, you know, that didn't always go so great. So I get it. And then, you know, I really liked that you said that you had a God-given talent and you honed that and you worked on that and you realized that was one of your gifts that you were given throughout life. And when you went into these sales roles, when you went into these service roles, you didn't look at it as like, this is boring, this is terrible. You were still working on your craft and you were getting better and you were getting better. You stayed for two, three years. And then you took that and you shifted it into the real estate industry. Yeah, like, you know, Rochelle, I think everyone has a God-given talent. Like we look at the Beyonce's and the Wayne Rooney's and the Cristiano Ronaldo's and the Messi's and, you know, I'll throw in a hockey analogy, like the Wayne Gretzky's of the world, the Michael Jordan's. And we're like, oh my God, they're so special. You know, they were given a God-given talent. And I think what made them really special is they went all in on it. Yeah. Like, I don't really think Beyonce gave a crap about her science grade. I also don't think Michael Jordan cared a lot about his history mark. You know what I mean? They kind of did what they needed to do. They got their scholarships. But what they did is at like after school, they were kicking a soccer ball against the wall by themselves, honing that skill, right? And so I think everyone has a God-given talent. Like, I mean, it's very easy. I've spent 13 minutes with you. I know that you have a talent. Is it your God-given talent? I don't know because I don't know you <laughs> as much like, you know, more than the 13 minutes. But what I can tell you, you got a talent at connecting with people, <laughs> you know, I guarantee you, you somehow use that in your world, you're a podcaster. So that also tells me that you use that, right? What I just decided to do is I don't have the formal education, but my personal education comes from studying success, studying 
salesmen and saleswomen that did and do it at a very high level. I read their books. I listened to their podcasts. I practiced what they taught. I took what I liked out of them and what didn't resonate with me. That was okay. If I read a book, 400 pages, 300 pages, I'm trying to get one thing out of that book. That one thing that could possibly help me kind of propel my career or just get better in sales. Like for me, you mentioned 27 years. I think that's a little over now, like <laughs> 20,000 hours. Jeez. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and they say that if you do something more than 10,000 hours, you mastered it. I think when you master something, you really come to realize how much you still have more to learn. Right. And I say that because like, yes, I've been in sales and doing it for 20,000 hours, 27 years, but wow, do I ever pick up on stuff from like somebody who just started in the business maybe, because they might've said something in a way or asked a question that I generally don't ask. And so I still pick up and use that. Like this is my game, the game of sales and then service, because you can bring in a lot of groceries, which is the sales <laughs> aspect. But if you don't know how to cook any of them, they're all going to go bad, right? And that's the service aspect. You need. To, I decided, and, and I don't think it's the only way. In fact, I know it's not the only way. I don't have a lot of cold business mm. coming to me. I don't do a lot of ads like Facebook. I and mean, we flirt in a little bit. Definitely not like experts at it. What I do believe that I've mastered in sales and service is building a community and having them come back to me over and over again. So my first job in a retail store was after my newspaper route from 12 to like 15, 16. At 16, I did a, a co-op, meaning like your school sends you to a place where you work there for yeah. credits. They ended up hiring me, which was selling shoes. Okay. And it was selling shoes to marathon runners and sprinters. That was at the age of 16. I am now 40. Okay. And so in that 25 years, I have sold cars, real estate to about four to five of the staff members that I worked with when I was 16. Now, somebody says, well, Jazz, that's only four or five. Yeah, but it was four or five people that I still stayed in contact with. And then there's numerous stories and millions of dollars. And I'm not trying to impress anyone. It's really to impress upon people who are listening that this could work. This worked for me. Maybe take it and see if it works for you. That there is millions of dollars of examples in that 25 years that people bought cars and then houses. And now guys and gals that continuously buy houses for me to invest in really more from an investor's perspective. And the reason for that is, is because I found ways to remove the friction in the buying process. See, anybody who's a salesperson and actually a business owner, but specifically like a salesperson, the bar is set so low because everybody thinks you're sleazy anyways. <laughs> Most people. It's so true. And so you now need to find ways, A, don't be sleazy, and B, how can you exceed people's expectations? So look, the expectation is don't be sleazy. So you don't have to do a lot to actually exceed that. If you actually put some thought into it, though, there is things that you can do in your specific industry to make it easier for people to do business with you. And then what that allows for is because they had a positive experience, there's a higher probability of them coming back to you, but more importantly, them introducing you to their friends and colleagues. 
Absolutely. I 100% agree. I think it's like if somebody has a bad experience with your brand or your product, they will like go and tell like seven, eight different people. Yes. But if they have like a phenomenal, absolute mind blowing, my God, like experience with you, they will go and tell their best friends. And those are their like people of influence in their life that will take that advice and go and work with that. And I think they're just so much more easier to work with, right? Like if Rochelle and I did business, for example, let, let, let me actually give you a practical example. I know Rochelle is a podcast host now, and I know a lot of people that want to get on podcasts. While we've been even talking, and in the last 2.1 seconds, I have figured out seven people that need to be on your podcast because you're very similar. Oh, cool. So if you liked me, chances are I hang around people that are similar to me. We yeah. all do. There's some variations in the guys and the gals that we hang out with, but there's not massive ones because otherwise you, got, you wouldn't be friends if you're always disagreeing <laughs> with them, right? And so here's how I make connections now, right? Like I know, okay, I think, Rochelle, if you liked me, and the jury's probably still out on that, like if you did, then I know I can introduce you to five, six other people. In sales, it works the same way. If I sell a product or somebody uses my service, if, if I think Tyler is a client that I would want to meet more people, like I want to meet more people like him, I just need to service him very well. And then there's a very strong chance that he's going to introduce me to people that are like him. And in real estate, that's huge, right? Because if he's a buyer buying here in Canada, on average, a million dollar property in Toronto specifically, then chances are his friends and families are probably also looking around that price point, right? And so I'm a big believer that if you can build a core group of clients and service them well over time, you should go more in depth with them and not worry about the width. So I don't need you to have in a community of 10,000 people. I'm okay if you just have a community of 200, because if 200 know 200 and know 200, your network now is 40,000 people. So stop worrying about trying to get all this cold business <laughs> and cold leads, I should say, and just focus in on the 200. Because they know more people like them, and it's a lot less expensive than chasing after cold business. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah, building a community is so essential. Moving here to England, you know, I didn't know anybody but my husband and my six-month-old son at the time. And I think that was the number one thing I did when I first moved here is building a community. Because that's where you're going to really find your people. And since then, it's been four years now, and some of my best businesses come from those exact people that I've associated with and continue to invest my time in them and to seeing where those relationships flourish. So I love that. Love that tip. And it costs you a lot less. Yeah. Right? Like you maybe had to take them out for dinner. Maybe. Like, you know what I mean? Maybe for a drink. Right? Like you didn't have to go try to cookie them on the internet or run an Instagram ad, which I'm like, don't get me wrong. That stuff works and there's a place for it, right? I believe that your like majority of your business should be coming from the people that already know you, like you, and trust you. The second part to that, and I was having a conversation with someone a, a bit earlier today, and he's like, Jazz, but like, I'm not from here. I don't have the community oh. that you have. You were, <laughs> right? you were able to build the media company because of the network you had in the real estate company. I was like, yeah, for sure. But I also had to build the real estate company from the people that I knew from car sales. So I've been doing this for a long time. I go, but drop me in England. 
give me about 90 days and I'm going <laughs> to find ways to connect with people. You know what I mean? Like I made the connection pretty quickly with you again, really quickly off air. Rochelle and I were just talking about the time difference. And I said, oh, I'm kind of used to the time difference in England because I watch a lot of premiership games. And she said, oh my God, so does my husband. Well, the first person I'm going to try to have a beer with at the pub is her <laughs> husband. We're not going to talk about real estate. We're not going to talk about sale, like anything that I have to offer. We're going to talk about what Man U and Man City is doing, Liverpool or whatever team he's into. You know what I mean? And so I think if you are new to any industry, what the best advice I can give you is whatever you have a passion for outside of your industry, i.e. if you're a real estate agent, but you have a passion in skiing, then I would spend all my time in this new area skiing. Because yeah. go meet people that you're just going to talk about the new ski boots that came out. Talk about, hey, where have you skied? Yada, yada. Because inevitably, they're going to say, hey, Joe, what do you actually do? Do you ski all day? <laughs> well, funny that you ask, Rochelle. What I really do is help people buy, sell, and invest in real estate. But that's not what I'm here for. I just like to meet people because I'm new to the country, new to the city. Yeah, I love that. It's so good. And it's, I think that's just a... I don't know what it is. I think it's just a skill set. Maybe people are scared, but it's just something that people don't do. It's like the easiest thing to generate the connections and generate leads, even though that generating leads isn't the primary thing, but you do hope that they will come after you build those connections. Totally agree. So a while back, I interviewed a woman named Dr. Ruth Godian, and she wrote a book called The Success Factor, Developing the Mindset and Skill Set for Peak Business Performance. And in her book, she details four attributes that she saw across some of the world's peak performers, like astronauts, Nobel Peace Prize laureates, and Olympians. And because I find your story and your journey so fascinating, I thought that we could run through these four attributes and kind of get your take on that. Would you be okay with that? 100%. Let's go. Okay. So number one, Ruth talks about intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. And extrinsic are all the shiny, fancy things that we think we want in life, like the big car, the money, the house, all of these very tangible things. But intrinsic is that deep, burning fire inside. It like just won't go away. So my question to you is, what intrinsically drives you to get up and do what you do every day? Hands down, it's to see how far I can take this talent that I have now. Being 40 now, I always say 13 being my lucky number that I'm going <laughs> to go to 113. But in 60 years from now, I don't want to look back and regret the fact that I wasn't able to actually give everything to this talent that I was given. I wear a very similar t-shirt to this every single day. I wear a hoodie every single day to work. I'm not into Rolexes and fancy cars. Not that there's anything wrong with it. I was into that earlier in my life. And some of that was the extrinsic stuff that you spoke about. For me, it's always been the, per the, the, the burning passion that I'm going to see how far I can take this. And so when I have when I have a time where maybe like the first 45 days of this year, Rochelle, my team and I did zero deals. Why? Because just the way that the market was going, wow. we weren't getting certain allocations. But the last 45 days have been the best 45 days in my career. 
Why? Because I have enough experience now to know you just got to have patience. Like I believe in myself first and foremost, and then I believe in the team around me. We're going to get through this. But if I didn't have the burning passion to see how far I can take this, I might have gave up in that first 45 days or done something stupid and gotten desperate or something that just wouldn't have worked out where the last 45 days would have been the best in history. I love that. That is so cool. And I think, you know, a lot of people can identify with that, you know, early on in our careers, it is about the big, shiny, fancy things. I did the same things in my early 20s, got the executive MBA, had the nice like BMW, all sorts. But that's when sometimes you burn out and you just don't want to do what you're doing anymore. But when it's that extrinsic stuff, it's really trying to push how far you can really take those things. In your case, for me, it's my family. I want more for my family. That's what puts my feet on the floor every day. And everybody's intrinsic drive is totally different. But I'm so happy to hear that. And I love how you broke that down. It was really great. I mean, you know, I got two little boys, an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. And so when you said family, I mean, that obviously resonates with me a lot. Even from that perspective, like I know I need to fill up my cup first to make sure it's overflowing because what good am I to them if I'm not fulfilled and happy and me chasing after really happiness. Like at the end of the day, that's what I'm like. I know what makes me happy, finding out how far I can take this, right? But in turn, my boys, my two boys, eight and six-year-olds, they get the byproduct of not the things and the yes. materialistics. They get to see daddy like go at it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. My kids yesterday at dinner, just funny that we're talking about it. We're like, one was like, I'm going to be a basketball player. The other one was going to be a <laughs> soccer player. And I said, Look, the truth of the matter is, you don't really have that DNA. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I told them this. I was like, look, unless you practice every single day, and I go, both of you don't do that, yeah. right? I go, there is going to be one thing that each of you are uber talented at and that you like. You, right now, you just try everything, but there's going to be one thing that, that we're going to come to realize that you really like and have that God-given talent in, and that's what would be a massive negative if you didn't go all in on that. So that's what I'm trying to put into my kids as well. And so at least they can look back and say, you know, my dad gave it everything he had. I love that. That's so awesome. All right. Number two, extreme high achievers have a strong sense of perseverance. So what do you do when it looks like there's no way out, right? You said the beginning of the year, there was those 45 days. It was a dry spell. It's like, crap, this problem seems like it can't be solved. What gives you that extreme sense of perseverance? How is it that you, like, what do you dig deep on? Like, what, how do you get past that? The quality of your life is based on the quality of the questions you ask yourself. We all talk to ourselves as we brush our teeth, <laughs> uh, take a bath, drive. And so that person that you're speaking to is sometimes very positive and sometimes very negative. But the questions that person asks you is definitely gonna gonna be reflective on the life that you're living. And so for me, when we had the first 45 days, I think the easy two big things that probably in the last four years that happened, one, four years ago, this September, I lost my business partner, oh, uh, my mentor, sorry. my old, like third older brother taught me the business for the last 13 years. Um, I was his right hand guy. And at that time, I had to ask myself different questions because I was gonna go through a bad spell. Second thing was in March, 2020, we all went through it, maybe a little different months or whatever, but we went to a complete lockdown. And in real estate, it didn't look like a time where it was gonna be fruitful. I also didn't have the, the stomach to ask people or talk to them or call them and say, you should invest in real estate right now. You know what I mean? Like, so there was obviously a scary moment at that time. 
what I always do is ask myself different questions. If a question might be like in the first 45 days uh, that we went through, like, okay, guys, we are not getting the projects that we're used to getting. The market's not performing at the, like everybody thought, oh, you know, real estate's selling, but yeah, but there was nobody really putting their house on the market. So we didn't have nothing to sell, Yikes. right? But the question we asked is, okay, how can we serve our clients better, right? Pandemic happened. Forget we can't sell real estate, but how can we serve our clients better? My partner passes away. Everybody think like he was the face of the company. Same question. How can we serve our clients better? And every single time it came, the, the answer came to education. Let's educate them more about what's going on. Hey, I called every single one of them when my partner passed away and I educated them. I educated them what I was going through. Hey, this is a very tough time. Obviously, he passed away. I just want you to know, I have no idea how I'm going to figure this out, Mr. and Mrs. Client. You've been with us for four or five, 15 years, but I can tell you right now, I'm going to do everything in my power to keep this company going. And luckily, I had a second business partner as well. Him and I are still together. And the first 45 days of the year, called all our clients, just let them know what's happening in the market. And so asking yourself different questions. A lot of us come up with a problem that comes out. My question to myself is, what's the solution? Yeah. And we write that, like, I got seven whiteboards in between two offices. And we'll write that on every single whiteboard and leave it there for the next 10 days, 15 days. It doesn't take us that long now because we have a big team. And everyone's focus is, what's going to be the solution? And we just keep drumming that into our brains are like computers. Whatever you feed your brain, whatever questions you feed your brain, it will find the answers. Long before Google, this existed. <laughs> yes. It happens all the time, right? Sometimes we do stupid things and we're like, oh, why are we such idiots? You say that to yourself. Your brain says, well, you're an idiot because of X, Y, and Z. <laughs> right? So the, the trick is not to ask yourself that question. The trick is to, how could I have done that better? Because right. then the brain will say, well, here's some ways that you could have done that better. The problem with most people is that they're not patient enough to let the answer come. Ooh, yeah. So to directly answer your question, just ask yourself different questions. And that's how I persevere in tough situations. I love it. I love it. And boy, those are some really tough situations. Thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing that with me. I really appreciate it. Number three, peak performers have a strong foundation meaning what they did at the start of their career, they still do today. What are some of the foundational things that you did early on in your career that you still do when you go into the office today? Pick up the phone and call my clients. So I'm never afraid of between the real estate company and the media company, more the media company now because creating content for other people, and you would know this as a fellow content creator, you take your personal content <laughs> like art. Yes. You know what I mean? And it needs to be, and to your listeners, I'm air quoting the word perfect because we know that doesn't exist. And so creating content for other people, you get a lot of pushback. I'm just not afraid of picking up the phone. I don't mind texting. I like texting because I know it saves time and all that. But when somebody writes me an email, Rochelle, about like a long email, like past a paragraph, I have an auto responder from my assistant that says, <laughs> when can we get on a phone call? Because I'm like, let's get on the call and get right to the problem. What is it? And let me fix it. Right. And so that's been me since delivering newspapers. Like I would deliver newspapers and the client, and I still call them clients back then. Like the client didn't like that it came late. I wasn't afraid I was going to go deal with it head on. So till this day, 
Till this day, I come in and I might have had emails or text messages from the night before. The first thing that I'm doing is dealing with all the fires that I need to deal with. And I do that by picking up the phone and just calling people. That's awesome. That's awesome. I really love that because I think that it's easy to get to a level of success as you have in your career and managing so many people. You say you have 11 support staff. You could have asked any of one of those. Can you deal with this? Can you do this? And instead, you still do what you've done since you were 12, since you were delivering newspapers. You still do yeah, those foundational like, things. And, and I know some of my team members, like they would do it because if they're asked to do it, <laughs> that's what they would do. But I know that's not their strength. And for two, three of them, they would lose sleep the <laughs> night before. You know, and so what yeah, am I going to add that undue stress in their life? Like now they know, ah, Jazz is going to handle that. Like I will protect my staff from that perspective. If it's a, a client that's irate, I don't shy away from it. In fact, our saying, like to your question, it's funny because what was going on in my head as you were asking it, we have a massive saying around here, which is back to basics. Ah. So when things are array and they're not going the way, like in a favorable way, we say go back to basics. And then our business is both of them. And in my life, that's pick up the phone and talk <laughs> to people. That's it. Go back to basics is pick up the phone and just talk to people because as you're speaking with people, they'll make a connection for you. They'll say something that, oh my God, they might need something from like just so much opens up when you have some conversations. Absolutely. That's awesome. All right, guys, don't forget, pick up the phone, call your clients. All right. Last question. As a fellow content creator, you'll love this one. Peak performers are constantly learning through informal means like social media, podcasts, books, and a team of mentors. Where do you go to learn and who are your panel of mentors or mentor? I think from a content perspective, Rochelle, it would be Gary V. If Gary V didn't exist, there probably wouldn't be a jazz tacker in the content creation world. I would be doing something else or in a different way. I'd probably just be doing phone calls and in-person events, right? That's what my business was really built on, calls and in-person events and emails, obviously. But when I heard him about four years ago, I heard the word podcast change the course of my life. I, as I mentioned, I got two little boys. My podcast, my specific podcast is my third child. When I heard it, what was really cool about it was a couple of things. One, being of East Indian descent, I heard it was free. So that I was always like, oh, that's kind of cool. You know what I mean? Like, I don't got to pay for this thing. I can distribute it to everybody in the world. Love that. Number two was I get to control the narrative of the conversation. I can speak about whatever I want to speak about. I can throw an F-bomb if I want to and the radio can't shut me off. Okay, cool. And then three, I don't need cameras. This is just an audio platform. I love that because I didn't like the lens. Now I got six, seven on me at certain times and one on me even now recording what I'm saying because the power of video is something else that it's come to my attention. But at that time, it was because of him I heard that word. And so then I started the podcast and that just opened up. Like I'm talking to Rochelle in England right now. Like <laughs> where does my life take in me? Really, it's all because of podcasting. It allowed me to put in the reps to feel comfortable to do what I do with you now. Yep. And I'm going to say from a content perspective, again, another gentleman in the States, I've seen the growth. And so I got to give him his flowers now. It's a gentleman by the name of Patrick Bet David. 
He hasn't really made a lot of noise outside of North America, like a Gary V has. Sure. Gary V's worldwide now. But Patrick Bet David is the next person people should watch out for. Like, mark my words, because I've seen where he's come from and where he is. And he's a true business operator, like Gary V. People think he's a motivational speaker. He's a business operator, right? And when you can speak about how you operate and do really well in business, then people are going to listen to you. It's the... The ones that worry me is the 21, 22-year-old life coaches, right? Like, <laughs> like that stuff concerns me. That's not what these guys thought, right? I got you. Um, but Patrick Bet David is somebody to watch for. Okay, awesome. Well, is there anything that, as we wrap up, thank you for sharing that. I can't wait to dive in and take a look at Patrick's content. And I'm familiar with Gary as if he's my homie. Like, we're, we're friends. I meet him on the street. Yeah, so... But he gives you that feeling, right? He yeah. gives you that feeling, right? I had him on my podcast not too long ago. But what he did is when I went to New York, like we finished the podcast in his office and the guy's like, just go around my office, man. Like stay here as long as you want. Like ask all my people questions. And I was like, for okay. sure, no, I'm, I'm done. I stayed there for seven hours, eight hours, recorded a different podcast with somebody on his team. Like just went crazy. But I think that's what he does really well. And so does Patrick, where they just make you feel like they're your friends. That's awesome. So before we wrap up, is there any other little nuggets that you want to drop on the audience before we go? Yeah, a couple of things. Number one, I mean, do you charge for this podcast, Rochelle? I don't. Okay. So for everybody who's listening right now, Rochelle puts in a lot of effort and a lot of time. I can tell because she gave me a quick rundown. She brings a lot of energy. She doesn't charge you for it, but don't mistake that for there not being a fee. There's <laughs> always a fee. Nothing in life is free. And let me explain. If you got value from this episode, and maybe you didn't, maybe I sucked and that's okay. And if you ever got any value from any of her episodes, your fee is to share that with one friend or one colleague. Share her content because she's trying to put out a lot of positivity. Give her some love and support. So make sure that you share her podcast and all the content that she does on any other platform. There is always a fee in life and that's your fee for her drop bringing value into your life. The number two thing I would say and what I would leave with people is there's usually a massive sign behind my head, but I'm in renovations for my studio and my office. And that sign usually says ready, fire, aim. And I know that screws with people when they hear it because we grew up being told it's ready, aim, and then fire. Or honey, make sure you look before you leap. And I think because we heard that so much as kids, that put a lot of us in teenager, as teenagers and as adults into what's known as paralysis by analysis where we overthink certain aspects of our life and business. I'm not going to start doing content because I don't like the way that I look or sound. I got some news for you. The client's going to meet you one day. They're going to know how you look and how you sound. You might as well get started now. I don't want to pick up the phone and call people because it's going to look like I need money. Well, you're in business. Get over yourself. You need to go out and get business you're going to have to go outside your comfort zone a little bit. And what happens with most people is they get stuck in paralysis by analysis. So what I'm here to tell you is start firing and pulling the trigger as much as possible because then it's going to be a lot easier to aim on the target because now you know because you pulled the trigger if you're too far left, too far right, too high, or too low. 
Nothing will happen of massive value in your life if you never actually pull the trigger. Mic drop. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jas. I really appreciate that. Thank you for sharing my podcast with your fellow colleagues. I'd really appreciate it. I really like that. Thank you so much. And I really cannot wait for this episode to come out and share it with the Allergic to Small Talk community. Thank you so much for your time, Jas. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Allergic to Small Talk is a production of Cut Class, a place where you can access me, Rochelle Grow, and Leslie Levito. We teach the world how to start and grow businesses without a formal classroom. Executively produced by me, Rochelle Grow, and Cut Class. Creative direction by Sho Kazanjian. Audio editor and producer, Tom McGeoch. And music is by Fami Kaira. If you'd like to access more free resources, check out our sister podcast, Out to Launch, hosted by Cut Class's co-founder, Leslie Levito. She teaches people how to ditch their 9 to 5 to start their own business. See ya! See ya!